You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Well, some difficult times for the uh, worldwide leader in sports. ESPN, I'm sure you heard, announced this week 100 layoffs of on-air staff. And so that's their on-air talent. And more, I think, of uh, off-air talent will be laid off as well. And I don't know the full list of everyone that got cut, but I know they got rid of uh, Trent Dilfer, football analyst, former quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, and I think Arizona Cardinals as well. And that's too bad because I like Dilfer. And a lot of people don't. I don't know why, but he's one of the few analysts on ESPN that actually analyzed the sport itself. And by that mean, by that I mean he actually analyzes the sport as opposed to politics and issues of racial injustice and gender identity and that kind of thing. Because that's what ESPN has become known for. And um, it's that fact that I want to zero in on here. That ESPN announces layoffs. And people all over social media and Twitter are laughing about it and celebrating it. And I don't believe and I don't think we should celebrate or laugh about people losing their jobs. Unless, I mean, unless the company we're discussing is Planned Parenthood or something like that then yes, we should celebrate when people lose their jobs. But uh, outside of that, you know, we shouldn't celebrate it. Although ESPN has demonstrated such utter contempt for its own audience that you have to expect this reaction. And the fact that it's getting this reaction is interesting. Because five or six years ago, if ESPN had announced 100 layoffs of its on-air talent, you wouldn't you wouldn't have all these people celebrating. But over the last several years, ESPN has transitioned into easily the most far-left channel on all of cable, more so than MSNBC, considerably more so. ESPN decided to, 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 to get away from talking about sports to bringing on these assorted jocks and meatheads to lecture about gay rights and racial issues and the glories of transgenderism and cross-dressing. And as they've dedicated themselves to this approach, more and more, they've been collapsing. Which brings us to the massive layoffs. Now, are these layoffs a direct result of their political leanings? Well, it's that's not the only thing, but it's among a combination of factors. There are other factors. 
Cable channels in general are struggling because people are increasingly cutting the cord, heading over to Netflix. People aren't watching uh, TV in the same way that they used to. And I think you're going to see, and you are seeing, with cable TV, a similar uh, a similar process play out that, that played out with the music industry. And we know that the music industry back in you know, 1997, 98, 99, 2000, in the early 2000s, was uh, some, somehow managed to be caught off guard by the internet and file sharing. And uh, it, it took them, it seems like, decades to catch up with the technology. And for so long, they were, they were resisting it. So you have these you know, record companies that were trying to keep their music off the internet, trying to keep it, trying to stop you from downloading uh, individual songs and that kind of thing, insisting that, no, you got to go. I know you could, just, you could get a song for free or for 99 cents, but you got to go buy the entire CD for, for $19.99 and, and, use, and, and play it in this uh, disc man that you don't even have anymore. And that's what they did for so long. And eventually they tried to catch up and find a way to monetize the new technology. But by that time, they'd suffered you know, considerably. And I think you see cable channels kind of doing the same thing. A lot of them anyway. And so ESPN is among cable channels. They're trying to keep, they, you know, they, they keep their properties off of Netflix, off of Amazon. And that's just a really stupid way of going about it because that's how most people watch TV these days or how people are increasingly watching TV. Um. And even aside from that, there's been a, de- a decline of product. The, the quality of product on ESPN has declined. Everything is overproduced. Everything is annoying. The commentary is repetitive and stale. Many of the personalities they bring in are just impossible to watch or take seriously. Like, I get that these people are former players, but that doesn't mean they're good broadcasters. There's pretty much no correlation between being good at sports and being good at talking about sports on TV. And both of those things, to do both of those things well, does take talent. But just because you can do one well doesn't mean you can do the other well. Um, and so the product wasn't great. And the medium is antiquated, and these are all problems. But then you see them go full SJW. And for a lot of people, I think that was the last straw. And I know for myself, I watched ESPN all the time because I like sports and I wanted to see the highlights. And especially when it isn't football season, I'm I'm interested to know what's happening with the NBA and MLB, but I don't have quite the time or interest to sit and watch all the games. So I'd go to ESPN, but recently I gave up on watching the channel completely because I just couldn't deal with the leftist propaganda. It was too much. It was the final straw for me. And for many people, I imagine, I think that's how it happened for a lot of people. You combine all these factors together and people said, well, it's just not worth. There was a time and we still have cable, but uh, I don't even know why we have cable anymore. But there was a time when one of the only reasons I still had cable was just for ESPN. And again, I think there are many people in that boat, but they said, never mind. I don't want to watch ESPN because of the political stuff and they tuned out but here's what's interesting espn is just a great example of something that i've noticed in our culture uh that that may seem a bit surprising at first so you have espn that goes far left so far left that they that they make msnbc look like ewtn and then what happens 
they fall apart. People abandon them in droves. Now, here's the question. Why is that? Because our culture is liberal, isn't it? These things that ESPN spouted, the liberal things, these are things that are generally accepted in our society. Yet, there's no audience for it. Nobody wants to hear it. Even though their actual ideology, their politics, are commonly shared or seem to be shared by a majority of our culture. Now, you may say that that's because people don't want to mix politics and sports, and that's the problem. And I agree that people don't really want that, and I don't want that, certainly. But um, I, I think people have shown an appetite for sports mixed with other things. So take faith, for instance. There was a time when faith and sports were pretty closely linked. When athletes wore their religion on their sleeves, and some still do to some extent, Tim Tebow, for example. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I don't think that scared anyone away. I think people liked it. With rare exception, people liked it. So what I mean is imagine in an alternative universe where ESPN decides to go full Tebow, full Christian, rather than the opposite, which is what they did. Do you think in that situation there would be the same decline and collapse? And I'm talking about an alternative universe for ESPN, but our culture in this universe is still the same. Still, does ESPN suffer these massive losses? If rather than going um, full crazy leftist, they went Christian conservative. Do they still suffer losses? I don't think so. I think actually they would benefit. I think they would gain viewers. I think they would retain most of the viewers they already had and they would gain many more. So let let me illustrate my point a little bit more. Think about when um, networks come out with these overtly gay shows. Uh, There was that one, The New Normal, I think it was called. And they just had a mini series about gay rights and MSNBC. I forget the name of it. And there have been other shows. You see these other shows that pop up, the uh, the Bruce Jenner show. uh, You know, these other shows pop up and they're overtly in your face gay or they're transgender or whatever. And they perform horribly. Nobody wants to watch it. Nobody watches. Or think of the overtly gay or overtly liberal movies. They win awards. Okay, Moonlight won the Academy Award for Best uh, Picture. But nobody watched that movie. Who watched that movie? That movie did $18 at the box office. Nobody cared about it. The critics cared about it. And then it wins Best Picture and everybody says, what's that? I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's about a gay, a gay romance. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to watch it. Think um, Brokeback Mountain was one of the uh, one of the originals. It won Academy Awards. I think it won Best Director. Nobody watched the movie. Nobody nobody is going to the theater to watch a romance about two gay cowboys. Nobody wants to see it. And even some of the most liberal people who say, "Oh, it's the same thing as to men and a woman." Yeah, but you're not going to that movie, are you? So you think even of the uh, leftist anti-war movies that were common during the Bush years and then conspicuously went away during the Obama years. But again, award-winning, nobody watched. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to see it. Compare that to how Christian films and Christian shows do, what few exist. But think about how they perform. 
The History Channel had that uh, Bible miniseries a while back. It was a smash hit. You had these Christian movies that come out. Many of them, most of them, uh, maybe all of them are terrible. But not all of them. There are a few exceptions. Most of them are terrible. They still do really, really well on a very small budget. Okay? They don't have the marketing, the critical acclaim that, um, that some of these liberal movies do. But they still do very well. Uh, Passion of the Christ, I think, is one of the greatest movies of all time. Certainly, without a doubt, the greatest religious movie, the greatest Christian movie of all time. Panned by the critics, all this controversy over it, does enormously well in the box office. Now, think of the business world. Target pulls its uh, transgender stunt, suffers massive financial losses. Okay. Chick-fil-A, on the other hand, gets attacked for its owner's faith. It comes out that its owner is, uh, is uh, in favor of so-called traditional marriage. And its business booms. People come out in droves. So think about this. How do you explain it? The culture is leftist. There's no doubt about it. The culture is liberal. Yet, there seems to be no appetite for liberalism. The culture is liberal, but nobody is interested in liberalism. There's still an appetite for Christianity, and we aren't even a Christian culture. We haven't been a Christian culture for a long time, yet there's still an appetite for this stuff. What does that tell us? I think it tells us this. Okay, here, here's the point. 13 minutes in, I get to the point. It tells us this. People have acquiesced to liberalism, but they have not come to believe in it. They've acquiesced to it. They don't believe it. People have largely submitted to the lie of liberalism. They've submitted to the lie that, for instance, men can be women. Babies aren't people. Uh, Gay marriage exists. But they don't personally believe it. And they certainly don't want to watch anything that celebrates this idea, which they recognize as completely insane. People have submitted to the gay agenda, but they don't actually in their hearts buy into it. So they're not going to go watch Brokeback Mountain. They're not going to watch Moonlight. They're not going to watch the ABC special about gay rights or the new normal or whatever that show is with the, with the, the gay kid, the gay Catholic kid or whatever. They're not, nobody's watching those shows. Nobody cares. They don't want to see it. Why don't they want to see it? Because they believe in their heart, in their soul, in their mind, in their conscience. They believe that it's unnatural and it's disordered. But they won't say so. And they won't even be honest with themselves about it, much less the world, about what they actually believe. And so there are people who are even listening to this podcast and will leave a comment you know, on the blaze uh, saying, uh, disagreeing with what I'm saying, calling me a bigot, even though in their own minds, they know they agree. They know they agree. They don't think they should agree. They wish they didn't agree, but they do. Listen, leftist ideas have one in the sense that, you know, in, in, a, in the, the sense that their ideas have inf- infiltrated all of our institutions uh, when you look at laws and policies and the way the government operates and everything else. But if those ideas 
were actually held and believed by our culture, then shows about gay lovers and leftists uh, pontificating on SportsCenter would be surefire ratings smash hits. Just like, like you get, you get, a, you get a, a, a leftist sports center person getting up there and, uh, and talking to us about transgenderism, everyone laughs at it, either in their heads or out loud, but mostly in their heads. But if you had, and every once in a while you get this, somebody on ESPN or an athlete other than Tim Tebow who comes out and has a message of faith, it, you know, it goes viral. Everybody's talking about it. That's the way it goes. Take even uh, protests and activism and put aside the recent women's march, which was as much a reaction to Trump as anything else. Generally speaking, people don't show up for pro-abortion marches and demonstrations. Yet hundreds of thousands show up for the March for Life. Even though we live in a culture where abortion is legal everywhere. And the vast majority of people won't publicly oppose it. But again, we see that, that people have accepted the leftist position. They've tolerated it. They've laid down to it. They don't, however, believe in it. In their hearts, in their souls, in their minds, in their conscience, they know that killing babies is wrong. So where do you go from here? Once we understand this fact. Once we understand that... Um, Leftist ideas have won because people have acquiesced to them, even though very few people believe it. Well, the leftists, they know where to go from here. They realize that their hold on the culture is precarious. Nobody believes the crap they spew. We tolerate it uh, for whatever reason. We comply with it. We don't believe it. So what they do is they need it. They need to get us to celebrate it. It's not enough anymore. And I talk about this in my book. The Unholy Trinity. Find it on Amazon right now. Um, I, I, but it's not enough anymore to simply get us to accept it, to tolerate it. We need to celebrate. We need to jump for joy. And so it's like, it's like um, if you watch, if you, if you see a clip of, uh, of Kim Jong-un giving a speech and the crowds are gathered and you've got, you know, actual guns to people's heads, demanding that they applaud. In fact, I'm I'm um, I'm reading right now the uh, I I just began uh, the the Gulag uh, Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn, and it's about the uh, prison system that existed in Soviet Russia. And uh, there's a story that he tells about some kind of party um, meeting, and uh, all these people were were gathered and they begin the session as they always would by paying due deference to uh, Stalin. So somebody mentions the great father Stalin and everybody starts applauding and the applause goes on for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, you know, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes. The applause keeps going. Nobody will stop applauding because nobody wants to be the last person. No, nobody wants to be the first person to stop applauding. So, they, so they, they all just continue applauding and applauding and applauding and applauding forever because nobody wants to stop. They're not allowed to stop until finally the party chairman or whoever says, okay, it's been enough after, after 14 or 15 minutes and sits down. And a day or two later, he's, uh, he's shipped off to the 
to the gulag and put in a prison camp. And so there's sort of a, a version of that going on in our culture where everybody has to applaud and nobody wants to be the one who stops applauding. And that's what the leftists need to get us to do. Applaud, applaud, applaud. Even if we don't believe in it, keep applauding. So on the other side, what do we do once we've realized that the opposition has won so much territory, yet those who are in that territory are not actually loyal to the forces which control it? Well, I think the first step is to realize this fact. And the, st- and the next step is to, is to get people to rise up, to stand up, to fight, to, to come together, to realize they're not alone, that it's okay to disagree, that it's okay to stop applauding. We have to stop applauding. And you know what? Sometimes when everybody is applauding and nobody will stop, it actually takes courage to simply put your hands down and sit down and stop. And I think that's what we need to do. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys next week. Cruce Salus. Godspeed. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 